Well, if you're a parent of a teenager, you might have had the experience of disagreeing with your child. Sometimes it feels like no matter how hard you try, you just can't change their mind. But the truth is that it's always possible to change someone's mind. In this upcoming episode, we're going to speak with David McGraney, the author of How Minds Change, about the science and practice of getting teenagers to change their minds. Most parents know, have felt this, that there's a certain age, you start feeling your influence start to slip in some way. And, and that the influence of these peers, like, why do you care so much what these people think about you? Because we're social primates. That's the thing we care about more than anything. And you probably have similar feelings, but just not about the, the people you're hanging out with and, and uh, playing Minecraft or, or uh, you know, watching TikTok or making TikToks. But like, you have people like that in your world. You have people like that all throughout your world. And given an option to choose between losing your, your complete reputation, your status among them uh, versus, you know, just going ahead and staying wrong about something or, or choosing to going somewhere you didn't ever want to go, like going on a vacation you didn't want to go to or going at the minimum, just going to a restaurant you hate. Like we do that stuff all the time. And totally. this, the world of a teenager is smaller than ours. It's so, socially, their circles are tight and limited and their right. ability to, to move around the world is not as great. So that means that social influence is even more influential in that space. They might not have the opportunity to be in many other groups, but they do have a chance to introspect and discover where, what are my core values and are these core yeah. values being expressed among the people that I'm spending my most time with? That is something that you can do. And is this thing that I'm about to do, not do, believe, not believe, feel, not feel? Is this something that is close to my core values or is it kind of far away from it? And if it's far away from it, what's influencing me to get so far away? That's something you can really put to someone and you can do it by just compassionately, non-judgmentally asking the kind of questions that will lead a person to their own answers to those questions. You're really communicating somehow that you're not out to shame them. What you're saying is not an attempt to get them ostracized among their most trusted peers. Even if you do feel personally that they should be ashamed, even if you do feel personally that you hope they do leave that group. But if you, com <laughs> if you communicate that up front, then they're just not going to continue the conversation with you. And if that's important to you, then you need to try to build the rapport that allows you to have the conversation. I totally understand. There are some situations where it's like, fine then, but like, if this is something you want to engage with, this is what you have to do. And then the next part is ask the person if the issue is a fact-based issue, ask them how certain they are, like on a scale from zero to 10. If it's an attitude-based issue, ask them what their attitude is. Like in the, try to give them a, an anchor, like 10 is, I believe this and zero is, I believe this. Right? I believe probably is a bad word. 10 is, I feel this strongly and zero is so strongly suggesting that if I were a 10, this would be true. If zero, this should be true. Once you get that out there, then you ask, why does that number feel right to you? If they say they're a seven, you know, say, why a seven? That leaves the framing of debate, that leaves the win-lose scenario, that puts a person in a metacognitive, introspective state of, why do I feel that way? And oftentimes people yeah. have never done that. You could even go further and say, why not a six? Why not a five? Or say, why not a nine? Why not a 10? And ask them to start producing counter arguments that they've never considered before. But you're not taking your counter arguments out of your head and putting them into their head. They're right. building them on their own. They're their counter arguments. And when we do that, we're more likely to, to listen to those things, keep those things, add them to our collection of ideas, and they start having weight. They can counterbalance whatever we already had in there. And that leads to change. So the steps go further than that, but I think it's those first two, they're there in every single one of these persuasion techniques. Those first two are always there and then they get more particular depending on like what you're aiming for. This episode is coming soon to Talking to Teens. If you want to get the whole thing right now, sign up for a membership. Our members get exclusive access 
to the full-length extended editions of all of our podcast episodes and unreleased episodes weeks before they become available to the public. Take advantage of our 14-day free trial. Sign up for a membership today. Thank you.